Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch, myself, Roland Hume, chat some of the interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry in of writing and self-publishing. And today you get double for your money because we have two guests, but they are a dynamic duo. We have Kelly Florence and Meg Haftel, who together do the Horror Rewind podcast and have co-written eight horror books, and they still speak to each other, which is incredible. <laughs> So we are delighted to have you both. Meg, how are you doing today? Good. I'm so happy to be here and talk about how much I love Kelly. <laughs> well, that is wonderful. We are delighted to have you. And of course, Kelly, how are you doing? And I'm great too. And yes, Meg and I happen to be best friends and co-authors, so it's even better. <laughs> that is I won't use the word miraculous, but I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> and of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great. Thanks, Roland, and thank you, ladies, for joining us. So actually, that um, brings up one of the first questions I was going to ask you is whether or not you knew each other sort of before this all started. And if you're best friends, my guess would be yes, although I guess it's, it's possible you became best friends through this experience. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's let's dive into, uh, first of all, how you guys met and how you guys started writing together. Um, and that's sort of the focus of this uh, podcast is, is writing as a duo or a team. Um, we have sort of talked in the past with, uh, with writers who have written in a shared universe, which is a whole sort of different set of, um, you know, issues. And it's probably in, in some regards easier, maybe in some regards harder. Uh, y- you know, if you have to just write um, a book, and sort of just keep yourself still, but keep it sort of uh, in an, a universe that everyone else is writing in as well. So there are, you know, aspects of, you know, this character might show up in your book and be in their book or whatever. But when you're writing the same book together, I imagine that's, uh, you know, much more <laughs> confusing and challenging perhaps, uh, but maybe it helps in a lot of ways as well. So let's get it all into that with, uh, with sort of maybe how you, you both started together and go from there. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Meg. No, no, we just share a brain. So sometimes we like to answer (laughs) together. No, um, I was going to say we actually met um, over 20 years ago. um, And I was working in a gift shop and Kelly came in and she had an X-Files shirt on. And um, I was like, okay, well, I have to talk to this woman. Um, And so we became fast friends. And now, like I said, we've been friends for over 20 years. And, you know, I think that I personally don't know if I could have written a book with somebody that I don't respect and value and love as much as Kelly, because it is, it's a hard thing to do. So, um, yeah, I think being best friends and having a history together has really sort of helped when we get down into the weeds of things and, um, we don't get mad at each other. (laughs) And both of us being lifelong horror fans and both of us, um, dabbling in writing on our own. And then Meg is also an, uh, an accomplished fiction author. Uh, when we came together uh, to start our podcast, we realized every week we were talking about um, these horror movies from our childhoods and how they lived up uh, to today's lens, through today's lens. And we realized we were always constantly going back and talking about uh, the research that we were doing about the science and history, legends and truth behind these horror movies and so then that came up we came up with our first um, book idea which was the science of monsters and we explore the real science behind all of our favorite movie monsters like vampires ghosts witches and creatures from the deep 
And now that's evolved into uh, a whole series of the science of books. So all, all of the books, the eight books that you wrote together were in that science of series. And, the, and so it's all nonfiction? Yep, all nonfiction. And we do have one other book. It's a, a travel book. It's Travels of Terror that's going to be coming out um, in 2024. And so, again, uh, all it's nonfiction, but it's following us, traveling to 12 different cities in the United States, discovering creepy, spooky places. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> is that what your podcast is about as well, and the Horror Rewind podcast? Um, well, no, kind of. It's kind of more on the science end of things where, you know, like Kelly said, we kind of got into the lore and legends of things when we would watch films. But that really started out as, like, we both grew up watching horror films and really like one of the things that bonded us is that we hadn't been in a situation where we knew another girl who liked horror movies as much as we did. Um, And so when we, we started the horror rewind podcast, we kind of wanted to see the movies that we loved when we were kids, the horror movies, if they kind of stood the test of time, if they still, um, you know, made us feel the way they made us feel when we were 10. And if they had a sort of feminist lens to them Um, and some of them don't and, and that's okay. We still love them anyway. Um, But some of them, actually a lot of them do. And so like we wrote a book, the science of women in horror is our second book. And we got to explore a lot of the sort of feminist, um, the sociological implications and things like that through, you know, research with the Gina Davis project and all these things that we are really passionate about, we got to do together. And so, I mean, if anyone's listening, who's like interested in working with somebody to write a book, my first piece of advice would be do something you're passionate and you love, you both love um, equally because um, why, why would you do it any other way? (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's interesting because uh, when I think about horror, and I am not um, a, a big watcher of horror, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm pretty squeamish when it comes to seeing, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, as a kid, I remember watching a few horror movies, and probably because of the ones I watched, I don't think any of them were, I would classify as feminist uh, you know definitely probably the opposite of that so what are some of the what are some of the you know the, the favorites that you guys have in that sort of uh, genre you know something that we discovered um just from doing research and and uh writing these books is that Mary Shelley, when she was 19, year, 19 years old basically invented the the horror genre and women have been involved in the genre since since then, ever since, um, whether it be women behind the camera, on camera, um, writers, directors, it's they're involved in their stories. Women speak more in horror movies than like action movies or even sometimes romantic comedies. And so women are involved. And I we have so many favorites. Uh, yeah. We really <laughs> love Mike Flanagan's films. So anything he has done recently, we are big fans of. Meg, can you name a couple others that we love? Oh my gosh. Well, the newest um, film that just came out, Talk to Me, is a great horror film. Anything Jordan Peele does, um, th- there's so many great horror films out there. And I think that, um, yeah, kind of, we're, we're passionate about sort of 
bringing people over to our side to see that um, it's actually, you know, unfortunately, when you say horror, a lot of people think that means um, just slashers. And trust me, I like slashers. I, I love a good slasher. Um, but it's so much more robust than that. And there's so much going on. And that's kind of one of the things I have loved about our books as our books are kind of a gateway for people um, who maybe don't have a really big background in watching horror movies. And we get to sort of direct them to the ones that we think are, you know, worthy of watching um, in, for instance, um, the science of women in horror. We talk about a movie called teeth, which Ooh, is Yes, a, a very feminist film of, about a woman who has teeth in her vagina, and maybe not everybody have watched that one, you know. And it and it's and it's it's one that maybe not everyone has seen, and we get to point to that. And um, oh my gosh, there's so many that we've put in our books that we get to sort of say, "Hey, check this out." And um, gosh, I mean, there's nothing better than that to sort of steer them in what we hope is the right direction. Yeah, as a guy, yeah, who writes I definitely from- think. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, as a guy who writes romance and reads a lot of romance, I would say when it comes to um, eroticism and horror, women are so much more sophisticated, darker, <laughs> more complex, going deeper yeah. places. Like men get blown. Yeah, it's like it really is their arena to shine. And I read like romance books and dark romance books by female authors when I'm like, whoa, this is <laughs> intense. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna have to send me some of those recommendations. <laughs> I want to read them. Um, yeah, like I'm a big believer that that horror is actually very much, if you know, as Kelly was saying, it, it was very much born out of the female experience. What was more horrific than being a female um, about 200 years ago? Um, so, you know, I read the Yellow Wallpaper, which a lot of people read in college or high school, and it's about postpartum um, depression before that was even a term that people use. And so there's just, uh, there's something particular about female horror um, that just very much attracts me. And I think is, yeah, it's just a little bit better. I think I can say that. <laughs> I, and I also, that be, yeah. <laughs> because of that gateway, our, our fourth book was the science of serial killers. And we discovered, you know, a lot of women are true crime fans and they don't necessarily consider themselves horror fans and what we were able to do with that book and by just meeting people on our book tour is you know realize that this is all so closely related and it's because of the things that we're scared of in the real world these real world monsters so to speak um it's somehow you know women typically like we prepare ourselves and empathize because we're putting ourselves in these situations and figuring out how would we get out of this? What would I do? And um, again, like Meg said, it's kind of a gateway. A lot of non horror fans have told us, you know, I started watching horror movies because I read this about this in the book. And then I realized, okay, this is how they made that scene or shot it. And, and it's just easier for them to go in. Yeah, you know, when you were saying about slasher films, that's that is was was my experience when I was watching those uh, when I was younger, Friday the Thirteenth or Saw or all those kind of movies. And um, you, you mentioned Mike Flanagan, so The Haunting of Hill House, I know, was one of his, I think, most popular ones. I remember people talking about that, but it's you know, to me, I, I want to sleep at night, so <laughs> typically I'm avoiding those ones. Um, but uh, you know. I like the idea that they're not, there's just a whole genre where it's not just, you know, 
scary men or monsters running around chasing women with with big meat cleavers or whatever. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm not that I know enough about it, but I'm glad that the genre has moved on from that. <laughs> um, so to get to the idea of writing these books together, I imagine that um, writing nonfiction is probably in some ways easier as a duo than writing fiction because you don't have to, you know, it's not about the characters and, and, and coming up with like a, you know, a plot or whatever. It's, you know, there's some facts. So you probably can separate the, you know, the chapters or the parts out a little bit better say, Hey, you write the, you know, the section on this and you write the section on that. Is that how it works or, or how do you guys go about doing it? Yeah, absolutely. For our first book, uh, because we it was the first time we wrote together nonfiction, we each wrote part of um, every chapter, and that we made sure that we had you know the same voice and and um, structured it like that. But then we soon discovered we do have that same voice, and so we were able to say, okay, you take these three chapters, I'll take these three. We can uh, when we edit together, we can interject, add, change things. Um, but it's it is pretty. Um, it's solid and easier to work that way. But Meg, do you want to speak to how, when we write fiction together and how we definitely have to work together? Yeah, uh, you know, thankfully, so we started writing screenplays together and we've had some success with that. And um, I'm so glad that we have the foundation of writing the books together because I think we kind of have a shorthand and we have started to understand also as we get older, like what our strengths are. Um, for instance, Kelly comes from more of like a um, communication um, TV film background, and I come more from a like literature um, prose writing background. And those actually are two great strengths to have um, when we're writing screenplays. And it's also great strengths when we're writing books, too. So I think, you know, I think all of us, as we get older, we sort of start realizing, okay, this is something I'm good at. This is something I'm not good at. And we're a little more um, inclined to be like, okay, if somebody takes over that bit or whatever you know so I think um now that we've been working together for so long we definitely have that simpatico and we have that rhythm um and also like for instance I was gonna say like we we wrote a book called the science of Stephen King and right away we knew like okay there's certain chapters like Kelly has been a nerd about um J the JFK assassination forever so she's like I'm writing the 112263 chapter oh, obviously you know so there are things where um we just automatically know who's going to take what which is kind of fun um because again we know each other so well but there's a lot of texting that goes back and forth we always joke about how weird our texts are um, we just wrote a book on witchcraft recently and it was like, okay, did you cover, did you cover necromancy? Like, did you cover, did you get levitation in the last chapter? You know, those kinds of things where if people saw our text, they would probably be pretty concerned, but the FBI um, officers monitoring exactly. your, your text. So, yeah, the serial killer one. Yes, for sure. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so because you guys live so far apart, I think you mentioned it was about four hours apart. So you probably can't get together in person too often to go over all this. So you have regular zoom meetings or, or something like that, or. Yeah, we, we text every day for sure. Uh, we FaceTime a lot and then we do, uh, do zoom together uh, and share screens when we're going through the editing process. Um, thankfully we are we have kids of similar ages and they all happen to be best friends. So it, we have a great excuse to get together because it's not just work. It's a lot of play. All of our, our families get along. So whenever we can get together, we do. 
Yes, awesome. our our husbands were college roommates, so they're like best friends. And then, yeah, our kids wow. are all similar age. So it's a great excuse to get together. And over this past summer, we've been able to do that, which is really great. And then we try to find time to actually write and do work. <laughs> <laughs> so so you two met in a, in a, in a store, you said, and, and your, your husbands are college roommates. I imagine that came after, right? So yes. <laughs> I can't imagine that series of coincidences. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it's I grew up with her husband. Like we were, um, we grew up in the same town. And we were friends and I'm like, you have to meet, after I met Meg, I'm like, you have to meet my friend Luke. I think you guys will get along. Then they're like, you have to meet Luke's roommate, Mark. And the rest is history. We're all still married happily. <laughs> That's great. That's good that you can get together, uh, you know, and, and have that uh, with the whole family. You don't have to have excuses about, you know, I'm going out to work. And <laughs> um, So, when you plan these out, I guess you decide, you get together and, and say, all right, the next book in the series and you, you pick around some ideas, hey, you know, witchcraft or, or whatever it is, um, and then just go ahead. Or are you getting at this point, since there's eight books in, are you getting sort of people sending you emails saying, hey, can you do a, a book about, you know, this topic or whatever? You know, at some point, I'm sure that that starts happening where it feeds in on itself, right? Oh, people, yeah, people have lots of ideas. Um, what, then our next book that's coming out September 5th is, is The Science of Agatha Christie. And again, Ooh. it's a, like our Stephen King book. It's part biography, what was happening in her life at the time that inspired her to write her stories. And then part science, delving into the real chemistry, the real you know pharmaceuticals that she talks about in her books and how accurate she was. Um, and so that again, we're, we're broadening the scope of what people view as horror. A lot of times when you think Agatha Christie, you think of a cozy murder mystery, but it's murder. This is scary. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of like an idea of ours to sort of expand a, upon kind of like, we've talked so much about horror films and horror and like what, you know, what people really consider horror, but um, we're kind of pushing against that a little bit and kind of, you know, Agatha Christie obviously is, you know, the queen. And so we really wanted to, you know, pay homage to her, but also it was so fun to like go back and like, just selfishly, we do things that we want to research. And it was so fun to, to reread a lot of her books. I read for the first time, some of her books, but also get into her biography. Like I had no idea that she worked as a pharmacist um, during the war and that's where she got a lot of her like knowledge and just all this cool stuff. So, um, and, and now we're working on um, the science of Alfred Hitchcock, which, uh, you know, kind of goes in line with same kind of thing where we really get to have that biography, but we get to do a lot of fun research. So we've really set ourselves up because we both love research and, we love, I love literature research and film research. And like, so we basically gave ourselves the best homework that we could think of. That's another reason we're best friends is because yeah. we both realized we would rather be in a dark, dusty library doing research on that <laughs> out in the, in, in the sunlight, but we are pale goths. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're doing the science of and you're looking into, say, Agatha Christie or, or, or Stephen King, are you also finding stuff that maybe doesn't make sense? Like uh, this, you know, scientifically, uh, this doesn't really track. Is that something you're finding? And, and are you going to uh, do you call that stuff out in the book? Yeah, in particular, we were when we were writing about time travel. 
we, in, for the Stephen King book, we interview, we interview people in our books and we interview experts and we interviewed an astrophysicist and said, you know, this is what is claimed in this book. And he's like, nope, it never happen. And he just like flat out said, no. And Meg had an interesting interview with a, a psychiatrist. Yeah. Our- I, I, for our first book, I, I interviewed, so I've always been really interested in dissociative identity disorder. Um, it used to be called multiple personality disorder. I just think it's fascinating. Right. And I, um, interviewed the psychiatrist from the Mayo Clinic about Norman Bates asking sort of certain questions and kind of getting into the dissociative nature. And he just flat out was like, there's no such thing as dissociative identity disorder. It, no, it doesn't exist, which has always kind of been like in the background. I know some people really say it is and some people don't, but like we were doing, um, a presentation at a con one time and I mentioned that. And somebody got very upset that I said that. And I'm like, you listen, it was a psychiatrist. It's not me. This is what he said. So sometimes, you know, we bring forth what people say. And and like, for instance, we talked to an aura reader. Now, is that science? Probably not. But we also want to have a platform where we get to hear other people's voices and their beliefs. And we are very honest about, you know, is there scientific research that proves that, you know, the spirit um, has weight, for instance, Uh, we can't prove that. And we can't prove that these auras are real, but we do want to look at things from all different angles. And it would be kind of boring if we just like, you know, didn't talk about that kind of fun, spooky, supernatural stuff too. Well, there's a lot of supernatural stuff that, you know, we say, oh, it's not real. And then later down the line, yeah. that's like, oh, it has some basis in fact, you know. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Don't want to be I know Some people have said, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want to read your books because I don't want you to ruin stuff for me. And what we've realized is we're, we're not actually ruining anything. I think we're enhancing your viewing because truth is a lot of times scarier than fiction. And when you find out what some of these monsters or stories are based on, it really is truth and there is science behind it. And so I think that's even scarier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, and we live in interesting times right now where, you know, truth and science is sometimes uh, opinion based <laughs> or people yeah. try to make it opinion based when it really uh-huh. shouldn't be. Um, uh-huh. So it is interesting that you run into stuff where, for example, that uh, psychologist will say, hey, this doesn't exist. And I'm sure there are plenty of other ones that will say, yes, it does. And mm-hmm. then you have to, writing a book about the science of, make some sort of a judgment call or perhaps, you mm-hmm. know, interview somebody who has a different opinion and then put them both in side by side and be like, okay, here's, here's what people <laughs> say, right? Yeah. Yeah. And something too, that we like, it's important to us is we definitely don't want the books to feel like they're textbooks or they are not like, you know, I, I, I fully admit, like I didn't, I didn't major in science in college. So this is really coming from, you know, laymen who are trying to learn and understand stuff. And obviously like, you know, that's why we interview people like astrophysicists because we don't pretend like that we are astrophysicists. Um, but we're learning along with you. And so I think that's kind of what's really fun too, is like, we're, we're getting to understand these concepts and things. And I guess at this point we can say we're science experts now, which I never thought I would say, but I think I can now. <laughs> well, and that's, the, the main thing, the main takeaway, I think, if you're if you're looking at our books, it's a fun, approachable way to look at these science topics. And so it's like Meg said, it's not a textbook. It's really we put our own voices in. We share personal stories and um, we interview a variety of people from filmmakers to actors to 
writers and directors and then um, people on the science end of things as well. I, I was going to say when we did Stephen King's um, biography science book, we interviewed Richard Chismar, who um, runs Cemetery Dance, but he also um, has written, I think, well, he wrote two books with Stephen King and then he wrote the middle one himself um, that all take place in um, Castle Rock. Um, the first being Wendy's Button Box. And our obviously our main question was, how do you write a book with Stephen King? Like, how does that happen? Um, and that interview is in our book. And it was very interesting because I felt like he was he was quite casual about it. I, I called him out later. I was like, you were so casual about it. Like, I would just be like losing my mind if I had to write a book with Stephen King. Um, they're very good friends. So I don't think he was quite as intimidated as I would have been. But, you know, he said they literally just one would write and then send it to the other one and he would write and then he would send it back like that. And I thought, how fun. And that's kind of like, we've taken a bit of that approach to screenwriting, although we like to really be like physically with each other so we can bounce ideas off. But um, I definitely thought it was interesting to talk to somebody who had written a book with Stephen King. Cause that's like a whole nother level. <laughs> also, sure. I just, uh, that level of trust too. Like yeah. I trust that, you know, you are going to take what I wrote and not, um, not change it. And then you're just going to continue from there. And I think mm -hmm. that's, a, it'd be fun to see, you know, what you can come up with, with that, um, instead of plotting it all out together. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, I was going to say, since you've done both now, you've written the, um, the nonfiction science of stuff, and then now you're doing the screenwriting stuff. So what are the, the big differences then? So I guess what you're saying is, um, uh, when you did the science stuff, you would take a chapter and you would take a check, right? You know, so is that, but that sounds like it's a little different than, than when you're doing screenwriting or you're, it's a more collaborative uh, process and you try to be together and all that. Yeah. And, and as Meg said, because of our different backgrounds, um, I, I come from a very visual place from theater and film and TV. So I'm always thinking about camera angles and what's the best way to shoot something. So I, I like to put in those details and Meg from her literature background and being a horror novelist, she likes to come up with the descriptions and be very descriptive, but she's run into some potholes. with. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sort of came to screenwriting, like wanting to write how I do, how I write books. And um, I, it became very clear that that's not how you write screenplays. Um, and so I've definitely had to sort of adjust how I, how I write and sort of like what I'm going to include. And actually I think it's helped me be a better prose writer as well, because um, there's nothing wrong with sort of learning how to be a little bit more spare and, um, and showing and not telling, you know, the, that, that old one. Um, so I actually think I'm helping myself by sort of dabbling in the screenplay writing, writing those because I come back with sort of a better sense of how to write. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it definitely threw me for a curve. I, I, I wasn't quite prepared to sort of write in that way, but it's a lot of fun and I'm loving it. And the reason for it um, that we discovered that we attended a screenwriting workshop and we had um, a, like a three hour class with the budget person from HBO. And she said, those descriptions have to be short because every line, every page equals another dollar. And the shorter it is, the more likely it is to get made. So we're like, oh, okay, that's what I want three paragraphs describing what the trees looked like. You <laughs> say there were trees. 
<laughs> I know. That's what that's what I have a hard time with because when you're a novelist, you get to control everything. But um, the kind of cool, fun thing about filmmaking and writing screenplay is it's collaborative. And so I just have to like kind of pry my um, controlling hands off of it and realize that it's actually really fun that the director and the art director and the, all these people get to come in and sort of add into it. So um, yeah, that's, it was, it's a learning experience for me, but just like I would assume if somebody's like been writing by themselves their whole lives and now they want to do it with somebody else, like that's going to be a transition too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess, you know, when I think about it, just and I never really have before, but just as you're talking about it, there is uh, thinking about let's say trees. If you write there were trees and then you give it off and then they're going to do the production, it's a lot easier for them to just be like, okay, let's get trees, let's get a location that has trees, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right. But if you're saying it's this specific kind of tree that looks exactly like this, it's harder for them. Now they have to, they're much more constrained, right? So unless it's very mm -hmm. important to the to the story. You know, if you're writing Wizard of Oz, you want trees that can talk and have mm -hmm. arms that throw apples. Sure, put that in. <laughs> but otherwise, they're just trees. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's an interesting point. Yeah, and then they get to sort of put their own artistic. If they understand the tone, then, like, right. they get to sort of have, have their own collaboration. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm telling myself when I'm deleting, deleting, deleting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are there any plans to, to try out a novel together? You know, I think we we do have a couple of ideas. We haven't started yet, but because we've been busy doing other things, but um, I I suggest Meg that we start with a short story. I think that's a good plan. I think Kelly knows. Like, it's, I think a novel is going to take me a little bit of again let, letting that control go. Kelly is a fabulous, wonderful writer. Um, so it's certainly no, no, you know, I, I'm certainly not saying she can't do it. I mean, she's a fabulous writer, but I think, yeah. I, I, is this therapy? Because we can talk about how I need to just let, let it go, <laughs> let it go. I can't control every single word. So yeah, I think a short story would be a good way to start. I like that idea of like writing it, sending it to you you write and then we can like surprise ourselves and come up with something yeah. really crazy. I love that. Well, as long as you get to be the editor, then you can still have your control. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how much we owe you for this therapy session. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what are some of the challenges then of, of writing other than I guess control being one of them? Sometimes one of you, not, not even necessarily Meg, like sometimes one of you might have, I imagine a specific feeling about the way something um, should go, the tone, the way it's written or whatever. And that's, that's something that the other one was, was supposed to write and then you get it and maybe it's a little bit different. Um, and so you, you know, maybe discuss that, maybe just let it go. <laughs> it depends probably on how strongly you feel about it. Um, but you know, what are the, what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing on that? Um, two things. I think, like you said, if one of us feels really strongly about something and the other one doesn't feel, if we both don't feel excited about it, then we we pivot because, you know, that probably means it's not the right direction to go. Um, so that if we're not excited, if we're not both excited, then it's probably the wrong decision. I think, though, what the thing that happens most often, and this is why we have to text all the time, is we both end up writing something similar in different chapters because, you know, th there's some uh, topics that come up that are are similar. And it's like, oh, no, we both talked about um, the babysitter um, 
Oh, we lost her. Looks yeah, we'll like, double. Yeah. We'll double. Oh, oh. She's a little bit of uh, okay. stuttering on. Yeah, on we that. lost her. We lost you, Kelly. But you were talking about that one time we both wrote about the same um, babysitter um, killer, uh, tr like a trope, but it's based on this real actual thing. And we both had written it and then we had to like take out one of ours. And, um, but anyway, it sounds really cheesy, but like saying communication is so important. But I think that if we didn't sort of, if we didn't feel like we could talk to each other and be like, Hey, I don't know about this. Like, I think we need to fix this. And certainly we had a little bit like more recently with our travel book. Cause it's our first travel book that we wrote together. And even, working with editors, you know, things change. And there are, you know, with the science books, we've kind of gotten into our rhythm and we kind of know what we're doing. And we kind of, it, like I said, we have a shorthand. But with that, it was kind of a whole new thing where it's like, oh, actually, we need to do it this way. Or what do you think about this? Which again is that, but I think from after, you know, both of us have been through writing where we get criticized, we have a lot of red marks. And um, that actually has made us stronger. I've got misdirection letters in my life. And I think it just makes me all the more, you know, open to listening. And as I've gotten older, like I said, and realizing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So I think it's cheesy to say that, like, we have to communicate. But, like, if we didn't, we would just be sitting in hurt feelings all the time. Right, Kelly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. Let's I mean, let's dig in a little bit more there, because I think that's an interesting point even when i in my own writing even in writing an article or something i'll often find especially if i'm not doing it all in one sitting i'll often find you know i'll, I'll repeat something because i even forgot that i already mentioned it or i'll mm -hmm. you know in a little slightly different way or or even mm -hmm. you repeat phrases or words and then it's not till the editing process that you go back and you're like oh yeah i said that i've used that phrase three or four times like i gotta do something else it's worse i'm sure when you're writing and someone's off writing a chapter and someone else is off writing another chapter and you talk about the same thing. And then you don't find out until the editing process, maybe that you mm -hmm. both wrote about the babysitter or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, so is that sort of when you find that out or like what level of, and has that really changed the level of uh, plotting that you do where you're like, okay, I'm going to write this chapter and I'm going to talk about X, Y, Z, and I'm going to write this chapter. I'm going to talk about X, Y, Z, you know, and um, make sure that your X, Y, and Z's don't sort of inter intermingle and overlap. Right. Yeah. And now just because we've, we've written so much together, we have this very clear, uh, I'm going to write this and you're going to write that kind of thing. So we don't run into those problems. And, and I think our last, our last two books, I don't think we doubled up on anything because again, as Meg said, that communication was so clear. Yeah. I mean, it, which I think was amazing that we didn't do that with Agatha Christie because um, there's so many sort of um, parts of her books that are very similar. Um, and, and there are a lot of, topics that you obviously are going to you know be talking about so i thought it was a kind of a miracle that we didn't um end up like having to cut out because we both wrote about the same train or whatever you know so um again it, it has to do with we share a brain and um we've been doing this a long time now if somebody's just getting into writing with somebody else like i think there has to be even more clear delineation um just because you know it's when we started writing science of monsters, like I'm going to write about Frankenstein's monster. You're going to write about Dracula. You know, we could, we were pretty clear 
those two things weren't going to like necessarily overlap. But like I said, it's something like Agatha Christie that there's going to be a little bit of overlap there with her biography, et cetera. So my advice would be if somebody is like starting out to do this, like um, be very clear about what your sort of your, what your job is going to be in this. And if it's going to be like fiction, like maybe somebody um, is more the character developer and they like, you know, write down sort of like <laughs> you were saying, you've already written it. Like how many times have you written a character and like you forgot their eye color, but you know, you said it like seven pages ago, yeah. like, you know, maybe have somebody be the person who's in charge of keeping those things. Like for instance, Kelly is the organized of the two of us. So I would say, Kelly, can you keep, keep track of that? She's really good at lists and stuff like that. So um, I think just starting out and realizing that there is this creative nature to it. Um, but there's also like it is also something that is a job and work and you have to sort of treat it like that, too, and communicate so that you aren't feeling hurt about it. You know. Yeah, I think often for me, I would keep. Uh, character sheets where I would put in information about hair colors and eye colors and all of those things because yes, I would absolutely mess that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had an um, experience. I'd written nine books in the series, and for eight of them, a character had been his only child. And then I realized in the first book, I'd actually given him a brother. <laughs> and so it's yeah, you need to have character sheets. Yeah, it's hard to keep it all in your head. <laughs> So when you do the editing, is that it would make sense to me that that would be one person doing the editing, but but maybe not. You know, it, you mentioned sort of doing that maybe on Zoom or something like that. But um, do you? So how do you do it? Do you do you both together pull the book up and read it while you're on on a call and and just hash it out? Or we do. And what we decided um, with our very first book is I would read out loud the parts that Meg wrote and she would read out loud the parts that I wrote. So we're hearing it and we're not hearing, um, you know, we're reading it out loud. And then that way you can easily see, oh, that, that phrase is awkward. Or you can find somebody else's typo faster than you can find your own. <laughs> and so it's just, it's easier to read it that way. And so we've done all of our books that way. And then we send it off to our publisher editor and then we, you know, we get it back with uh, recommendations of changes. And so it's a process, but we always go through it together first. Yeah. And actually it's really fun because I end up learning a bunch of stuff at that time because we come to the table with, like, I know, for instance, she might have covered this particular movie or topic, but I don't know what she, exactly she covered about it. So then we get to sort of, like, experience the book together for the first time in that first edit. Um, and I'm like, really? That's, like, a real science thing? Oh, my God. So it's it's very cool. It's it's a fun time. Yeah, reading out loud is, is super key. I, I mean, I do that with my own stuff as well. You find so many more problems when you do that i always recommend authors to read your stuff out loud for sure yes my my i'm going through editing a novel right now and my agent just um went through it and took out like all the really just like finally all those words and like what sorry i have a pug snoring on my lap if you can hear that by the way um and uh and anyway, it's just like crazy how much you use that and you don't realize that you're using. Like, I was like, wow, I use the word finally that many times. Like, that's nuts. But that's why, you know, I'm a big believer in having other people read your stuff. And, um, you know, it, it takes a village. Yes. Yeah. Having another editor. Absolutely. It's definitely key. 
Um, so I guess this really works for you, but you also have your own projects separately um, that you you both write your own books or, or so um, I, you know, how do you feel that that works differently from together? Is there like, I'm, I'm noticeable. Is it easier, harder? You know, but something that I realize is it's like, Oh, I have to write twice as much because it's not. <laughs> that's, that's Yeah. So I think yeah. that's the, the hardest. And also I, I think it's easier a lot of ways to write together because we can bounce ideas off of each other. And when you're, in your own echo chamber of just yourself, you start, sometimes you start to doubt or you might go down a path that isn't very interesting. And so it's, I think it's good to get feedback, even if you are writing alone. Yeah. I, I, I really love writing alone, but it's so great to have this built-in accountability partner who like is there for you. And sometimes, you know, of course there are days you don't want to write. And when you're writing with somebody else, there's that sort of element that, you know, I, I can't let Kelly down. So, um, uh, as we discussed in my therapy session, like I obviously like to have control and write my own stuff. Um, but I think, every every project I do with Kelly like sort of opens me up to new possibilities and like now I'm writing screenplays and like I've all of a sudden gotten to poetry and I'd never done that before and so like I think that you know I'm I'm 40 and like there's this I could just be like no this is what I do this is the only thing I write but I actually am expanding what I write nonfiction I actually never really saw myself like I was going to be a nonfiction writer but because I went to through this journey with Kelly I am and so I, I just really encourage people to like really try some different avenues of writing whether it's with other people or different genres or different ways of writing I just I just think it just makes you a better writer all around in terms of the technical aspect of it do you do you use um, collaborative tools like Google Docs or whatever, so you can see each other's work as you're as you're writing it? Or and and what's is there? You had mentioned the accountability aspect of it. Do you set timelines and like I have to be you have to be done this chapter by this date, especially if they are ones that sort of feed off of each other. But even if they aren't, you know, you you might have a, a date that you want everything published by or or gets the editing process by. Um, so do you have that sort of structure or is it more free form? It's definitely free form. And just because we're both, um, we're both mothers and wives and I teach full time. Um, we just, we write when we can. And so there's not always, um, like we're going to write this many hours per week. Some weeks I can write a couple chapters, some weeks I can't write at all. And so, um, I think that too is is nice because we communicate that I'm really busy this week. If you're, you know, if you're writing, let me know what you did, but otherwise I'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We're, we're empathetic with each other and we know there are just times where it's not going to happen. And uh, that being said, Kelly always finishes before me. Um, <laughs> but that's like I said, she's the organized one. And uh, I always, I always get there. I always get there, but um, yeah, she's, she's a formidable, um, I don't want to say opponent cause she's not an opponent, but she's a, a formidable partner to have because she definitely um, works really hard and, and reminds me that I, I got to get my chapters in. She does that just by being herself. She doesn't tell me. She just she just gets her all her chapters and I haven't even started yet. So Greg, it sounds like you and me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, so do you are are your books 
um, self-published or is it through a publisher? We're through Skyhorse Publishing, which is under the umbrella of Simon & Schuster. And then our travel book that's coming out next year is through Sourcebooks, um, which is a Penguin Random House imprint. Okay, yeah, because I was looking. So the science of, because uh, when I searched it and I was um, and I and I clicked through to the to the to the series, there were books by others as well with the same. So that's all through. And I was just looking at Skyhorse. So so that series is something that the publisher does, and then. So do they tell you um, we want you to write a book on whatever or you, you pitch different ideas to them for yeah, that we've, series? Yeah, we've pitched because uh, no one was doing horror in the genre and we discovered that that's, that's our thing. And so everything that we, we focus on is, is um, horror. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I think um, you've really nailed the, uh, that genre that you've covered quite. When looking at the, you know, the list there, you've covered quite a good number of topics. And so Agatha Christie's next, and then do you have, is your roadmap go out farther? Or? Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock comes out also uh, 2024, and as well as our travel book. That is amazing. Look how prolific you've been. <laughs> Thank you. We, we certainly, I mean, we work really hard and um, we've met so many amazing people. We love meeting horror fans and, and people who maybe want to be horror fans. So they pick up our book. So it's been, it's been really fun. And sorry, I was going to say my motto is I'd rather be busy than bored. And so I'm definitely. Uh, (laughs) For sure. So in the travel book, what is, what is that one about? traveling where yeah so well we we kind of go to some obvious places that you might come in your mind like salem um and we go to like big cities like la and new york but we also go to like small little towns like athens um ohio and basically what we're trying to find are places for people who like the same things we like horror movies um gothic places places with really cool history um whether that be crime history or or just like maybe an amazing horror author lived there um we go on ghost tours for you and tell you if they're actually good or not um we go to restaurants and try all the like cheesy cocktails that have you know ghost in the name and so um it, it was just an absolute wonderful experience and i know um i hope that people take to the book because i want an excuse to travel again <laughs> so is that, that one is already a... published sorry is that one already published no that comes out in 2024 so we're just okay. going to be starting the process it's going to be an uh illustrated rather than ph- photography and um i'm very excited to like go through that process and see what illustrator we get and everything it's going to be really fun that makes sense because you know if you were to go to Salem, there's not probably a lot of things to take the pictures of. <laughs> but in terms of what yeah. the reasoning of why you're there, yeah, and some yeah. historical things, but you, yeah. you definitely would want to have the illustrations. So that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to wrap this up. But what a fascinating discussion! We probably talked for for hours longer about this. Where can everybody find your books and find your podcast and find you and all of that? So we're both on social media under Horror Rewind and also our names, Kelly Florence and Meg Hoffel. You can find our books anywhere you buy books. We're on Amazon. We're in Barnes & Noble, uh, Target. And shop at your local independent bookstore. Just request request um, any of our titles and they will be happy to order it for you. That is wonderful. Well, we'll put links down below in the description. Uh, Craig, do you have any final questions before we wrap up? 
Uh, no, just, you know, I want to thank you both for coming on and um, telling us all about this. It's really interesting, especially because you've done now both the, you know, the nonfiction and the screenwriting and the travel, you've sort of covered all the bases. And so it's, a, it's an interesting perspective, but I, I totally do see, you know, the idea that uh, you are both on the same wavelength and <laughs> very similarly, you know, your answers are very, you know, they're, they're it's clear that you're a good match. And I think that <laughs> that is probably what really makes it a lot easier for you um, than if it was just, you know, two random people paired together to go write a book. I think that would be much more difficult. So, you know, thanks again for coming on and sharing your experience with us. It's really, really been uh, interesting to hear. Thank you so much for having Yeah, we had a great time. Thank you. Well, if you have appreciated what Meg and Florent had to say, make sure you drop a, a comment down below and let them know. Hit that like button while you're down there. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Oh, and look, we get the pug. Yes. The snoring pug. Muffin is here. She's she's kind of asleep, but she wanted to say hi. <laughs> oh, well, that's adorable. That made my day. And, well, thank you so much for both of you. And thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in, whether it's YouTube or on your favorite podcast service. And we'll be back with another episode of Fully Booked next week. So until then, cheerio.